Paul commends the Corinthian church for their generosity and urges them to continue in their giving. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 6 through 9 and Isaiah chapter 13. Here on Commuter Bible. This is Commuter Bible, the audio Bible reading plan to match your weekly schedule. I'm your host, John Ross. Paul continues to urge the Corinthian church to live lives that are fully devoted to the Lord God, asking them to open their hearts once again to him and to the ministry of the gospel. He explains that his commendation comes from a life that is full of dichotomies and urges them to consider the sacrifices they are making as proof that they are zealous for the advance of the gospel. Finally, Paul makes an appeal to the church to be diligent and intentional with the task of setting aside money to give to the work of ministry and missions. One church is called upon to support another out of the abundant riches of grace and provision given by the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapters 6-9 through Working together with Him, we also appeal to you. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. For He says, At an acceptable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. We are not giving anyone an occasion for offense, so that the ministry will not be blamed. Instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything, by great endurance, by afflictions, by hardships, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, through slander and good report, regarded as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet recognized, as dying yet see we live, as being disciplined yet not killed, as grieving yet always rejoicing, as poor yet enriching many, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. I speak as to my children. As a proper response, open your heart to us. Do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, 
Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one, corrupted no one, taken advantage of no one. I don't say this to condemn you, since I have already said that you are in our hearts, to die together and to live together. I am very frank with you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with encouragement. I am overflowing with joy in all our afflictions. In fact, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. Instead, we were troubled in every way. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the arrival of Titus. And not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you. He told us about your deep longing, your sorrow, and your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. And if I regretted it, since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while, I now rejoice. Not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. So, even though I wrote to you, it was not because of the one who did wrong or because of the one who was wronged, but in order that your devotion to us might be made plain to you in the sight of God. For this reason, we have been comforted. In addition to our own comfort, we rejoiced even more over the joy Titus had, because his spirit was refreshed by all of you. For if I have made any boast to him about you, I have not been disappointed. But as I have spoken everything to you in truth, so our boasting to Titus has also turned out to be the truth. And his affection toward you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of all of you and how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that I have complete confidence in you.
We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that, according to their ability and even beyond their ability, of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So he urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I am not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I am giving advice because it is profitable for you, who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task, so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need, so that their abundance may in turn meet your need, in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. Thanks be to God, who put the same concern for you in the heart of Titus. For he welcomed our appeal and, being very diligent, went out to you by his own choice. We have sent with him the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. And, not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany us with the gracious gift that we are administering for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We are taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this large sum that we are administering. Indeed, we are giving careful thought to do what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before people. We have also sent with them our brother. We have often tested him in many circumstances and found him to be diligent, and now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker for you. As for our brothers, they are the messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show them proof before the churches of your love 
and of our boasting about you. Now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is necessary for me to write to you. For I know your eagerness, and I boast about you to the Macedonians. Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove empty, and so that you would be ready just as I said. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, would be put to shame in that situation. Therefore, I considered it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, He distributed freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Isaiah chapter 13 A pronouncement concerning Babylon that Isaiah son of Amos saw. Lift up a banner on a barren mountain. Call out to them. Signal with your hand, and they will go through the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my consecrated ones. Yes, I have called my warriors who celebrate my triumph to execute my wrath. Listen, a commotion on the mountains, like that of a mighty people. Listen, an uproar among the kingdoms, like nations being gathered together. The Lord of armies is mobilizing an army for war. They are coming from a distant land 
from the farthest horizon, the Lord and the weapons of his wrath to destroy the whole country. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore everyone's hands will become weak, and every man will lose heart. They will be horrified. Pain and agony will seize them. They will be in anguish like a woman in labor. They will look at each other, their faces flushed with fear. Look, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger, to make the earth a desolation and to destroy its sinners. Indeed, the stars of the sky and its constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shine. I will punish the world for its evil and wicked people for their iniquities. And I will put an end to the pride of the arrogant and humiliate the insolence of tyrants. I will make a human more scarce than fine gold and mankind more rare than the gold of Ophir. Therefore I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its foundations at the wrath of the Lord of armies, on the day of his burning anger. Like wandering gazelles and like sheep without a shepherd, each one will turn to his own people, each one will flee to his own land. Whoever is found will be stabbed, and whoever is caught will die by the sword. Their children will be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be looted and their wives raped. Look, I am stirring up the Medes against them, who cannot be bought off with silver and who have no desire for gold. Their bows will cut young men to pieces. They will have no compassion on offspring. They will not look with pity on children. And Babylon, the jewel of the kingdoms, the glory of the pride of the Chaldeans, will be like Sodom and Gomorrah when God overthrew them. It will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation. A nomad will not pitch his tent there, and shepherds will not let their flocks rest there. But desert creatures will lie down there, and owls will fill the houses. Ostriches will dwell there, and wild goats will leap about. Hyenas will howl in the fortresses, and jackals in the luxurious palaces. Babylon's time is almost up. Her days are almost over. I have good news, friends. If you've been listening to the podcast since the first episode of the season, you have officially made it through two-thirds of the Bible so far this year. Do something to celebrate. Raise an Ebenezer, as it were, and be sure to thank God for the grace He's given you to make it this far. 
I'm glad that Commuter Bible has been an effective way for you to get more of God's Word. And honestly, I'm glad that I can be some benefit to you in your walk with the Lord. Today's episode was narrated and orchestrated by me, John Ross, and co-produced by Bobby Brown, Caitlin Ron, Eric Williamson, and the Christian Standard Bible. Thanks for listening, and remember, happy is the one whose delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night.